When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Leo Phillips, host of This Must Be The Gig. We're a weekly podcast that documents everything about the world of live music. Speaking with choreographers, costume and set designers, the people who run beloved venues and festivals, and, of course, speaking with musicians about that one gig that changed their lives. Get your peek behind the curtain at consequenceofsound.net, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Consequence Podcast Network. Hey, welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with. It's an interview series presented by WFPK Independent Louisville at WFPK.org. Consequence of Sound and the Consequence Podcast Network. If you're not subscribed already to the series, please take a moment before we get started. Subscribe wherever you're listening from, whether that's in podcast land over at uh, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or maybe you found us on YouTube or Spotify. You can follow along there as well. I'm Kyle Meredith. It's a special trio episode today, and as it turns out, coincidentally, all from similar parts of the globe. Two Australian artists and one from New Zealand. Don't get them confused, though. I hear they don't like that. Going to be talking today with Julia Jacklin, Alex Leahy, and Aldous Harding. All three not only have brand new records, they all three have some of my favorite music of 2019. I'm going to be talking to Julia Jacklin about her record, Crushing, then we'll turn it over to Alex Leahy, who's got a new record called Best of Luck Club, and we'll finish it out with Hannah from Aldous Harding and her record designer. Now, starting with Julia Jacqueline, Crushing is the perfect title for this album because it will crush you emotionally in the best way. It's a very heavy record, a very personal record, which Julia has a blast trying to explain. That's sarcasm. But she does a really eloquent job, uh, contrary to what she uh, does protest in the interview. We'll talk about the ins and outs of the records, the importance of the lyrics versus the music. I'll even throw in some comparisons to Leonard Cohen. High praise indeed, but definitely warranted. We'll get into the details of songs like Body and Don't Know How to Love You, the concept of voyeurism when it comes to relating to your audience. And we'll even have some fun with an idea of a Gilmore Girls concept record. It's a joke. Maybe. Maybe it's a joke. Maybe it's the future. It's Kyle Meredith with Julia Jacqueline. Hi. I, I want to give you the compliments first because because uh, because crushing is just an amazing record, and I just every time I listen to it, it just digs deeper into me, and and I I, I don't think I could ever ask for anything more of a song than than what you've uh, provided here. So so thank you for that. Oh, that's very nice. 
have you to say. Thank you. Wow, it's, it's really great. And, and I also mentioned, by the way, you're going to be here in Louisville. I should probably throw that at the top. Uh, uh, you know, in the, in the many, many shows that you're playing this year, you're part of our, our Forecastle Festival here in town. So I'm excited to see those live as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really fun. Um, this is the first album, you know, it's your second album, but it's, it's sort of the first album, I don't know, with the pressure and success being a little bit more on after whatever acclaim you got off the first one, what, was there anything that you wanted to make sure that you did for this one that you, that you weren't able to do for the first one? I don't know. I feel like sometimes my mind exists in a different dimension than like all of the kind of chat around album pressure and stuff like that. Because I guess like in my actual life, I've written songs for a long time and I guess making a second record, I just didn't feel that stressed. I think I felt stressed maybe like a week after I released my first record. And then I was just like too busy touring it to stress too much mm-hmm. again. So, yeah, I feel like maybe I'll, I think third record will be more, way more stressful than this one <laughs> because people seem to like this one a lot. And so now, I don't know, whereas the first one there was, People liked it, but it kind of was a bit of a slow burn. So, yeah, I don't know. I just, I, I'm such a different person than I was when I made the first album. So it was just a completely different experience in every way, just in terms of, yeah, my own confidence as a human being and as a musician and my knowledge of a studio space and just so many things were different. So. What, 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 of course, I think is striking a lot of people with this record is is the the sheer poetry. I mean, what you, the lyrics do go beyond that. And I, I've seen you reference like um, like Leonard Cohen, you know, as a, you're a fan of Leonard. I'm a fan of Leonard. I, I remember him in an interview saying that the music was always secondary. Like his producers would say he would just push his vocals all the way to the front. You know, like mm. like he would barely think about the music, and and with lyrics like this, does the do you ever feel like the music is taking a back seat? Uh, d- does one carry the other for you? Yeah, I think I think because I write most of my songs without instrumentation at all, um, and then it's more trying to kind of put the words and the melody on top of like a bed of instruments. Um, which means that instruments are definitely secondary to me. I don't particularly have like a wonderful relationship with the guitar. It's just kind of like this thing that I have to play. I'm definitely not like, oh, I love guitars and I don't get like guitar nerdy at all. I'm pretty like, ah, it's heavy (laughs) and, you know, like it's expensive. So I definitely think about that second. And I think with this new record, definitely thought a lot about the instrumentation, but more about how can we make sure that it is complementary to the song and never the focal point of what I'm trying to do. It reminded me that the other part of that story with uh, with Leonard Cohen is he like once he walked in with like a Casio keyboard and he's like, no, this will be fine. You know, the little thing you'd like <laughs> buy at the uh, like a Walmart or something like this is this will be fine. Oh, this totally, is what we'll yeah. use. This <laughs> Can we just use something cheap and light, something easy to carry and cheap. I'll be happy. Yeah. yeah. So, so when you're writing like that, I mean, as you're saying, trying to figure out how to make it into song and, and melody, like how much of a challenge, like, like what's, I don't know, how, how far is the beginning point of something that is that might be just poetry, and, and trying to figure out, like, well, something in here has got to be the chorus, I guess. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I don't know. This this album felt a little bit different in writing it because I didn't. I think this one of the first songs I wrote for it was Body, which was kind of the first time I'd written a song that didn't fit into like your regular like song structure and that kind of opened up a bit of a world for me where I felt I I wasn't like tied to the chorus pressure I feel like 
chorus pressure is the biggest pressure of them all. Like, how do I, how do I condense my ideas into like this chorus that is like catchy and memorable and can be repeated and then be enjoyable. But yeah, it was a pretty big process of like writing and then playing during sound checks on tour, figuring them out until they did start to resemble actual songs. But yeah, that's just kind of like an editing process. But and because I wrote it on the road, I never had these like really dense chunks of writing time. All the songs kind of came piece by piece over a long period of time. It's interesting, you know, some of those <laughs> finding out those chorus because I'll I'll sing songs, you know, without realizing that I'm I'm singing them. I know a lot of us do that, just kind of humming them myself. And and the amount of times I've gotten an odd look, especially around the station as I've walked around, saying, "I don't want to be touched all the time," you know, raising <laughs> I, I, and I'll just sing that out loud without even noticing that I'm doing it. But you know, it just sounds good in my head. But I guess it's what everybody else hears. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it, you know, it, it is interesting because of these lyrics. I mean, these seem to be at least really personal moments. Uh, I, I almost feel voyeuristic sometimes. You know, as as I continue <laughs> to listen to them, and is that coming? Is that happening a lot? Does it ever come across to you like that? Yeah, I mean, it's an odd thing because on the one hand, I want to maintain the idea. This is a very personal record, and a lot of it is written about my life. But I'm also, you know, a songwriter, and I, I know it's a, it's you know, a, a craft, I guess. And so it's not all, you know, not every single word I sing is this is something that directly happened to me. But then it's a hard thing to juggle that because on the one hand, I want people to listen to it, and it, I don't know, I don't, I don't like talking about it too much because. It's like music is so... The reason people like this record, I think, is because they see themselves in it. Mm -hmm. And if I start going around telling everybody, like deconstructing these songs and being like, well, that line was about this person and that line was about this person and oh, that line, I made that up. And you know what I mean? It Mm -hmm. would just completely ruin what I'm trying to do here and the magic of music and art and stuff. So I, yeah, I don't know. I'm, it's, it's weird. I'm very fresh to this. Like, I don't feel like the first record I had people crying so deeply and now I'm kind of, yeah, getting like very, a lot more intense people kind of asking me very strange and intense questions like in person and online. So just, yeah, I'm figuring that out at the moment. Let me throw one of those strange questions your way uh, for once, <laughs> because because when I listen to this and, and you know how it, it's it is entirely how I perceive what you're saying and how I relate to it exactly what you're saying, but I but I wonder for you it, you know on this album is there a difference between finding out who you are versus showing who you are? I guess I my biggest fear in music life is to ever write a song that is preaching to people about something or trying to like sum up an experience and then give some answer and then like, you know, sing a double chorus where I'm kind of telling everybody what they should do or how they should feel, which I think is a song that can kind of be easy to write. I feel like this record is more me just kind of pretty openly, but pretty straightly just saying kind of how I felt at the time without providing kind of any answers to it because I definitely don't have any of them. So, yeah, I don't really know. It's so it's such a weird, this whole thing is very bizarre because, I mean, I wrote this album and recorded it kind of in a very small unit, just, you know, an hour from Sydney. And then I spent kind of six months just living in Melbourne, just riding my bike and 
playing in other bands and stuff and then you release it and you're like, oh, right, yeah, I have to I have to now like eloquently talk about it and um, I don't know. And every interview I do, I'm like, okay, next interview I'm going to do that better. Or next interview I'll, I'll make sure I have a prepared answer to this question and then I never do. That's fine. <laughs> what were you doing in the in the middle time there in, the, in that six months, playing in other bands and whatnot? Yeah, I um, well, I released another album with another band called Fantastic Furniture. We released an album and I started playing drums in another band and I moved cities, I moved to Melbourne and yeah, I just tried to kind of, I think it's like I love touring and I I obviously love doing solo work, but it can very easily, you can just kind of lose that sense of community with music, which is a reason like a lot of us start playing music because you're in a city and you're young and you're just like, I want to make friends, I'll join a band. So I kind of wanted to get go back there a little bit, just like the joy of playing, yeah, just playing with people and trying things out and stuff. So yeah, that was it was, it was a fun it was a fun time. But I'm happy to be back on the road. Well, I didn't know you played drums. Actually, it's a it's 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 got to be a whole different uh, ball game for you, kind of being up front and then taking it back and I don't know holding the rhythm. Yeah, right? I'm not I'm not a good drummer. Don't, <laughs> don't be confused. If you can I play drums, a, then you're a good drummer. My enthusiasm far outweighs my uh, talent but um but yeah I really enjoyed it because I just yeah I'm so used to being at the front and being the front's fun but I think probably the most stressful part is like the banter and like trying to talk to people and and you know having the pressure of the mid in between songs being like hey guys so how's the weather today um and it was really nice being a drummer and being like, I don't have to say anything. This is incredible. <laughs> I have to watch my friends squirm in awkwardness. Yeah. It was great. Because you have to be an entertainer. I mean, if, if you're going to put on mm. that kind of show, there, there, there does have to be that, uh, that, that dual ability, I guess. Exactly. Exactly. Some people get away with just saying nothing and being really cool, but I'm not that person. So. Yeah, was it? Um, I did see the Pixies the other day, and I've seen the Pixies before, and it's usually like that. You know, it's it's not like uh, he ever he doesn't banter with the crowd. You get an hour and a half set, and at the end there's a bow. You know, and that's it. Yeah, and no one cares because wow. it's the Pixies. You know, it's exactly <laughs> mm, very cool. Very cool. Yeah something to strive for there so i I would be curious you know with with this record being the kind of record is it it is uh do do you have a desire for the next one to be you know i don't know something less heavy in in that sort of way i don't yeah i don't know just like songwriting is such a mysterious beast to me like i know a lot of people say they can i know it's important to just keep exercising that muscle and just keep writing but to me it's still a bit of a mystical weird thing that i don't really understand i just sometimes write songs and and I go through periods where I write nothing and I think I'm never going to write a song again. And then I'll write a song somewhere random and it's not, you know, it's just like so, to me, it's just this weird thing that I'm chasing all the time. So I just have no clue what the next one is going to be. And I try not to, I don't want to ever just say I'm not going to do something because of, I don't know, of whatever reason. Because I just, I think I just have to follow whatever, wherever I go. There's been times where I'm like, next time I'm going to make a conceptual album about, you know, Australian koalas and it's going to be really cool and interesting and that's just like not how I I don't operate like that so let me put my vote in real quick for a a Paris Geller uh, concept album oh yeah yeah exactly so 
We should explain uh, that one, yeah. by the way. That's that's just oh, a joke yeah, tweet that came out that you know someone had mentioned that you look like the character from the Gilmore Girls. I love the Gilmore Girls, by the way. So that's the reason why that tweet caught my eye. I get eye. that. I get that a lot, actually. The Paris Gala thing. Wow. So yeah, I get it like all the time, and people always think they're the first person to tell me that. And I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> I've heard it before. I yeah, I think the only reason that I would like maybe not maybe err towards the side of caution with the heavy album, the third heavy album, is because I am finding it a bit difficult to perform every night because it requires like a, a certain level of um, you know I, I can't like half I can't half perform these songs. They've got to, I have to kind of give them my everything, and so I think I'm like you know just started the world tour and it's like oh okay this is. Uh, this is a heavy undertaking to be, you know, doing sometimes like 12 nights in a row of this, of like an hour and a half of these songs is pretty intense. But uh, we'll see. Maybe it'll get easier. You know, I'm at <laughs> the beginning. So. Well, before I get out of here, I want to compliment one song specifically because um, I don't know how to keep loving you. I mean, having an original take on love for a love song, I feel like is nearly impossible these days. And, th- and that to me is a nearly original take. I mean, if I've heard it, it's it's Aww, rare. You thank know, it's, you. yeah. Because I mean, what, what you're talking about. If I get this right, please correct. If I get this wrong, please correct me here. But what I'm getting from it anyway is that, um, you know, to 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 be with someone, you know, for that long. And I think that's the way you might have uh, referenced this before. To be with someone that long, I think you said I loved it. Um, that even when you're when you're together, it still feels like you're alone. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I think just. Um... I think it's just something that we don't talk about too often, just like the difficulty of long-term relationships and, and how the love that you changes and how, I, I don't know, we have, we, I, I feel like that's just something a lot of people don't talk about or admit because it is a bit murky and sad, I guess, because we all want to believe that we can love one person for like our whole lives in, the, you know, in, a, in a sustainable way. And so, yeah, I, I think I'm glad, I'm glad I wrote that song. I like that song. Yeah. Well, well, I mean, <laughs> I needed that song at the time. Well, I mean, you're you're completely right, though. I mean, mo- I mean most songs, most 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 love songs are are about new and fresh love, or you know, whatever lust. Most of the time, I think, but uh, but to do something yeah. like that, I mean, it is uh, it doesn't come around very often. I really appreciated that one. Oh, thank you. Yeah, uh, Julie, it has been a pleasure talking to you. And and again, I can't throw enough compliments your way for this record. And and whatever the next one be. A high concept record or uh, or not? Uh, I'll I'll be there listening. Okay, thank you. That's very nice of you to say. <laughs> Lovely talk. All right, Take I'll care. See you when when I'm there. Yeah, in uh, in July, Forecastle. We'll see you there. Yeah, yeah. Okay, bye. That's Julia Jacqueline there. Big thanks. The new record is called Crushing. Now to part two of today's episode, Alex Leahy, her new record is called The Best of Luck Club. It's a bigger record, it's a bigger sounding record, and we're going to get the stories behind the songs. Also, how Nashville plays a big part in it. She wrote quite a bit of the songs while stationed in Nashville, and tells me about her love for the show of the same name. In fact, that all ties in to what she says as a loose concept for this record that also deals with, with what she says as the highest highs and lowest lows of her life. That includes seeing a psychologist at some point, something some folks are still afraid to talk about. We get into why that is, and what that's meant to her writing and career. And if you've heard the first single, Don't Be So Hard on Yourself, you've noticed that glorious, glorious saxophone that's going on in that. We're going to talk about bringing one of rock's earliest instruments back into the fold, even throwing in a Mighty Ducks reference, recording a video in the 103-degree heat, and her talent for unabashed love songs. It's Kyle Meredith with Alex Leahy. 
The Best of Luck Club is already one of my favorite records this year. I feel like I'm doling out that that compliment uh, a, a little bit. I, we're in a good, really good spot in music right now, and your record fits right into that for me. It's really hitting that, uh, I guess, that sweet spot, you know? That's very kind of you to say. Thank you very much. Uh, I don't know. Is it, is it fair to call it a bigger record? Because it's not like the last one was small or tinny or anything, but something about this seems a bit more massive, I guess. Yeah, I think it's a bolder record, for sure. And I think it's a more, like, I guess a more confident record. And I, I feel like I was, like, really more involved in the ride, um, you know, and that's just a, uh, a consequence of, like, kind of having done it before and not, like, I think every time, I think every person who ever makes a record is, is there's always an element of, like, feeling their way through the dark, but there's that in, you know, at, at a maximum level when you make your first record and so this time although you know as I'm feeling my way through the dark I just feel a bit more like able to get like down and dirty so I think that's why it sounds more sort of I don't know forthcoming or bolder yeah so I I read that part of this was at least written in Nashville what brought you there yeah it was written in Nashville I um yeah, like I think about half of the songs were um, written in like a week that I spent in Nashville, just like walked away in this writing room. What brought me to Nashville? I I really love the show, <laughs> and I'd never been before. And I'd finished the tour in um, oh where was I? I think I finished the tour in in Delaware of all places. Um, and then we visited my brother because I had some time off, and then decided to go over to Nashville for a bit of time because yeah, I'd never been before, and I thought I had some time before I had to go home. And you know what better place to write songs Nashville just on principle it's uh it can be a bit dangerous uh, uh basing a place off of a television show how how true did it hold up to that image for you uh look I don't think I really like tapped into the uh the glitz and glamour of the Nashville country scene too much while I was there but you know it is true that just like you know the thing that is true about the show is that like everyone is just there to make music and it is like truly a music town which is really cool um I think the thing that the show doesn't really go into is that there are so many different scenes you know like the national punk scene is sick and yeah it's just it's actually like way more diverse than i think the show gives it credit for i mean they're playing to a certain audience for sure on that show yeah absolutely. i mean yeah you Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, but but I mean, I don't know. If I would think. I mean, we're only by the way, we're like two and a half hours up the road here from Nashville, where we are in Louisville. But yeah, uh, so yeah. I go there a lot. But I feel like a lot of songwriters do go there because it makes sense. At the same time, I feel like I would sort of be intimidated because everybody is on their game in that town. I don't know. Do you, do you get that sense of any kind of intimidation in that way? Yeah, I, I suppose so. But it's also really inspiring, and it also means that, like, at any point, you know, do you feel like writing a song or collaborating with someone like? there is going to be so many people out there who are going to help you make that happen, um, which is really cool. Like, it, I don't feel like anyone is holding their cards to their chest, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that everyone's actually there to help everyone and, and work together and just, like, make the best music possible. And I don't think it's about, like, you know, being a part of that isn't about, like, you know, the riches and the money and the success and the whatever. It's just about, like, actually the MO is to just make really great music. And I think that that's, that's really cool and makes you want to do just that. The title plays into that too, right? So, I mean, this is sort of a scene at a bar that the title comes from. Yeah, totally. Like, it's, um, I think the best of what club is a, um, metaphor for a sort of like place that we all kind of go to 
just to sort of, I suppose, decompress with ourselves and, and, and check in with ourselves after having, like, you know, a really good day, a really bad day, that kind of stuff. And, and that place, you know, looks different for everyone. Like, for some people, it might be, I don't know, like a sitting in a theatre watching an orchestra or for someone else, it might be, like, going to yoga class or something like that. But for me, it's, you know, going into a dive bar and just having a drink and not really having to worry about what anyone else thinks of you. Like, you know how sometimes you go into, like, a bar or something and you're, you feel judged by the bartender? Right. <laughs> um, it's like the best of luck, but we don't have that issue. <laughs> so did I read that you, you, did, you did go ahead, you've called this a concept record, is that right? Yeah, I would say it's a concept record. I think like a big part of that is because it was written in such a short period of time. So like kind of by default, it like captures this narrative that's quite, that's actually quite brief. So there's a lot of detail in it. It's kind of fun kind of unraveling that and everything. Um, of course, you know, I... Originally, you just kind of take as a listener, you take it song by song, and and to try to kind of put those puzzle yeah. pieces together uh, at the end, um, playing the game, I suppose. I don't know, in trying to figure that out because I, I think the other part that you've talked about that is you say the album is the your highest highs and the lowest lows uh, of your life to date. That's a lot. That sounds like a lot. That sounds exhausting. <laughs> Yeah, totally. I think, like, especially, like, the thing that sort of sees that happen and when I talk, think about, like, the higher guys and the lowest lows, like, they both kind of relate to, you know, touring. Like, I feel like touring and, and doing this for the first time, as we've done for my first record and going going overseas and spending long speeds away from home and all that sort of stuff, it's like a pendulum, you know? Like, you have the greatest time of your life when you're playing to all these people who you you're in this town that you've never been to before and then, you know, the pendulum swings and you're, you know, super tired, you, you know, you're, you're having a bit of a crisis, you miss your family and your, your loved ones and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, it, it, it just happens and then, and then the next day you feel great again. Like, I feel like a lot of that is in relation to, to touring life as well as, you know, personal stuff as well. Were you able to get a handle on that at some points? I mean, hopefully, because I guess you're about to do it again. But uh, was there a point you realized, like, or that you you started to figure it out? Yeah, it's for sure. Like, and I think that that's just one of those things that comes with time. And like, don't get me wrong, like, I I, I love steering. Like, I, I love it so much, and I will always always come back to it. But I think it takes a few guys to get it right, and to and to actually know what we're as well because it's such an unusual environment like no one goes into it straight up and gets it you know perfectly right in the way that like suits them you know to a T. I think it takes time and, and takes a lot of like reflection to get there I mean you took time to to work on yourself at this point I mean I've also read that you did eventually go and see a psychologist and and pardon me if I'm getting in too personal here you know back off but uh did did this relate to all of that was it just trying to sort yourself out and get the mental health game back on track like the psych thing was more I went through a really um, awful parting of ways with a partner and I kind of like you know like any breakup kind of you're in it and it's awful but you're always like I know it's going to be okay like it just needs to take time but I just felt so down even though I knew it was going to be fine and I was just like oh, I just really like to talk to someone that I don't know and like and I can just sort of like get to tell say to me it's going to be okay and so I went and um, in Australia, we have an awesome system where you go to your GP and they write out a mental health plan for you and you get quite a significant like discount or rebate on seeing a psychologist. Wow. And so I went and did that. And yeah, it was it's great. It's a really great system. And like you get, I think it's like eight sessions at like this heavily reduced price. And I, so I went and saw this psych and it was just really 
helpful. And I just feel that, you know, there is sometimes such a stigma about going and seeking help for stuff like that, like even if you just have a small problem. And so I just thought like writing the song and kind of owning going to the psych was something that was a cool thing to do. Yeah, absolutely. Because even in 2019, it feels like the conversation has been trying to get started for a long time. But as you said, there for, for some people, at least, there still is that stigma there. Like to take the jump is one thing, a big step. But even just to talk about it afterwards seems like just as big as a step for a lot of people. Totally. And so weird because like if you go back to those like, you know, late or mid 90s shows like your Sex in the Cities and Signs and stuff, it's like everyone has a shrink and right. everyone talks about how they have a shrink. And it's almost like a sign of like status or wealth or like being bourgeois, the fact that you have these like problems that, you know, you need to pay someone to help, you know, to, to listen to you talk about them because, you know, surely no one else is going to understand. And now it's like shifted into this thing where it's like you go to a psych and you don't tell anyone that you have. That might be an easy seg then to the first single because the title alone, Don't Be So Hard on Yourself, seems like it fits in really well with what we're talking about here. Yeah, totally. Um, the reason I hard on yourself, I wrote to my girlfriend who she's she works so hard and she's so diligent and responsible and um, will always do everything, you know, that comes away to the best of her ability. But, you know, that doesn't mean that you don't get worn out by that. And I remember her sort of being in a very busy time in you know, last year and sort of getting down on herself. And I was just like, you know, don't, don't, don't be so hard on yourself. Like, it's okay. You, you do everything so well and all these things. And, and then I thought I'd write a song for her because um, I feel like we've all, we've all kind of been there. You know, you just get a bit worn out. And you just need to know that the end is near and it's going to be okay. There's that line. I mean, I'm having so much fun with some of the lyrics in here because, you know, you're like uh, Christmas without Boxing Day. And I kind of chuckled. I was like, well, in the U.S., we're all Christmas without Boxing Day. I think most of the population yeah, I'm would. Say it. It's, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's a bit Australian, isn't it? I remember, I actually remember Googling Boxing Day when I wrote the song, being like, I don't know how universally this is. And it turns out, not very, but I'm glad that you guys understand. <laughs> I, I think we all know it exists and sort of understand what it is, but I, I'm sure a lot of people would have some questions still, like, why is that on your head? Yeah. It all kind of starts there. I mean, like, yeah, exactly. I mean, like, the thing for me is just, like, Christmas is a blocking day. just means Christmas every day. It never ends. <laughs> <laughs> of course, i got to bring up the sax. That saxophone solo is is so much fun. It's so unexpected. Yeah against everything else that is out there. And and I think that's one reason why it stands out, obviously, because a lot of people have, have mentioned that. I mean, a saxophone used to be as common in a band, in a rock band, as, you know, a guitar, bass guitar, whatever. And I guess they fell out of fashion in the 90s. But you're making a strong case for bringing that back. Yeah, I know. Sax stigma is something that needs to be um, bought one one solo at a time. And, yeah, I mean, I yeah playing saxophone since I was a child and yeah I think it was just one of those things where it was always going to happen and I remember showing my manager and my mom the track um or the sax solo and they were both like we've been reading this moment <laughs> so I think it was like in my world it was sort of like this inevitable thing that was eventually going to happen but I sort of loved that my playing of the saxophone to you know the general public seems like like a party trick when actually like that instrument has been a humongous part of my life for well over a decade now. Is it only that track on the record, or is it featured around the record? There's a few other tracks that it's on. There's a song called Isabella. You've had the record, so there's a song called Isabella mm-hmm. that's um, got like a few horns in it that I played on, and also Unspoken History as well uses a saxophone, kind of in a different way to a solo, but it's, it's a more textual kind of addition to the song. It's probably going to allow itself for some really fun live moments, at least. I don't know how far you're going to take this, but... You know, let that solo fly for as long as it feels good. I'll, I'll be there for the whole thing. 
Excellent. I need to get my saxophone service actually. So uh, <laughs> it won't be too squeaky when when it or when it, when it comes out on tour. Is there a Mighty Ducks reference in that song too? Oh yeah. I, I, so I've heard it dozens of times. I guess I'm just missing it. I'm, I'm always a little bit later on the lyrics. It takes me a moment, you know. Yeah, uh, direct reference to Emilio Estevez uh, in his greatest role of all time. <laughs> his greatest role. I I don't think I would argue with you on that. I mean, I might put Young Guns close up there, but just you know, for for fun. I don't know. It's yeah. I don't, I also want to ask about the video because, uh, well, I, I, in America we'd say it was like a, it was 113 degrees Fahrenheit, 45 Celsius for you. But you know, for us, 113 degrees when you shot that video, how in the world did you do that? Uh, look, I had a lot of help and support. Um, there was a uh, yeah, a designated kind of shade area where we were pretty well looked after by the crew. They made it as comfortable as possible for us. But yeah, the day didn't end without um, some sunburn for a lot of people, and yeah, it was pretty pretty hot. Yeah, but this is becoming a little bit normal for Australia. I mean, it, it gets it's been doing that here too, especially you know anywhere in the country and and the world, but. But it sounds like, you know, the environmental catastrophes happening around the world, like Australia is on fire. Yeah, for sure. And also, like, you know, I remember being in Nashville in your summer and just the humidity is so, so high and thick. In Melbourne, where I'm from, we don't really have that as much. It's just like, yeah, super dry and it does feel like it's on fire. Can you can you see that changing uh, the landscapes and and just the way of life as much as it's because all I can do is read about it at this point. You know, I'm, I've not made the visit, so. Oh yeah, for sure. Like it's just without a doubt that it's happening, and I think like hopefully the lifestyle changes that are going to happen are going to be more to prevent you know it getting any worse as opposed to like having to you know deal with the earth getting hotter. Right. Um, hopefully we can find a way that we can sort of slow it down or or, or make it stop in its tracks rather than have to um, have to just deal with the consequences. I'll switch it back to um, maybe a happier little note before I get off of here. I'm bringing up a couple of the other songs. Later on the record, you get the uh, the Black RMs and, and I Want to Live With You. And this is a practice, uh, if I'm hearing this right, at the Unabashed Love song. Is that right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's, um, I reckon, along with the sax solo, the um, like very direct and like unashamed like or shameless like love song has kind of gone out of fashion as well and i think like those two songs are very much like yeah my crack at just doing the like straight up love song um in a very direct kind of fashion but i remember having conversations with my friends about like you know the song i will always love you by dolly parton and just how like there's no way that the song will fly now and i feel like a, a reason for that is because it is so direct and and so yeah just like this flat out love song yeah. um without any sort of qualifiers or conditions and um i feel like people today are almost like afraid of that i, I mean is there still a challenge mm. to that is, do, do you do you do you hold anything back you know before it goes one way and i don't know it almost doesn't seem like you do you do yeah i think i i think there's some things that i hold back or like you know it or maybe like struggle the process enough to to kind of like articulate it in, in you know, in song, <laughs> so to speak. But I think, you know, being in love, you know, when you're there, like in a way it's almost like the easiest thing to, to be fun about, which is really beautiful. Yeah. And I hope that everyone gets to feel that. Well, I absolutely love how it turned out in these songs, uh, the whole record. I mean, uh, I'll give you the compliment again, the Best of Luck Club. It's such a fun album that I'm so happy that you did. Thanks, mate. I really appreciate it, and I really appreciate all the support coming from Louisville as well. It's just, 
It blows my mind. Yeah, I'm so stoked. Anytime. Keep sending the music this way. Uh, congratulations on this one. And, Alex, it was a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm sure we'll speak again soon. Absolutely. Take care. Bye. The new record is called The Best of Luck Club. And thanks again to Alex Leahy for that chat. Now on to part three, Aldous Harding. I'm talking with Hannah about the new record, Designer, as well as the uh, the time between records. After playing hundreds of shows, she went to like 10 months of no shows. So it's quite a bit of an adjustment period that comes along with that. Quite a bit of this record reportedly was written on the road, so does that make it a road record? I'll ask that question, as well as the concept behind that title, Designer, and her talent for minimalism. She does a whole lot with a whole little. It's another reason why it's one of my favorite records of the year. Kyle Meredith with Aldous Harding. Hi, yeah. Dude, I'm in love with Designer. What a great record that this is. You've uh, you've really outdone Thank yourself you. on this, yeah. Thank you. I was, uh, I think I was reading a, an interview that you'd also done recently. You talked about, you know, between these records, how you had done so much touring, like this nonstop touring, and suddenly hadn't mm-hmm. played a show for like 10 months or something like that. Uh, have, mm. Are you starting to to re- ramp and adjust back to the uh, this lifestyle? I think that the way I was touring more than the amount was the issue. You know, I'd kind of gone from somebody who wasn't really sure that they were gonna do any of this, and then suddenly, you know, and I don't want to quote myself, but I just I did sort of just stand up. You know, people were like. This is in, this is interesting. We yeah. like this, and I was like, "Oh, all right." And I kind of stood up, and I kept standing up, <laughs> and you know, it, it felt a bit like it kind of felt a little bit like I was on a quiz show, and they're like, "Okay," and this round is called "Be the Singer." Choose somebody from your team, and then it was just it kept being my job, and I think that I was very. I became very hungry very quickly to fulfill, you know, own that and and do that. And and I think the hunger and the, not the pressure, but the um, necessity, you know, not necessity, you know, the, uh, yeah, the hunger became sort of more important than rest and things or saying no so it was it was and, and, and you know and it wasn't um it wasn't really that much it was just the way i was doing it, you know giving giving my giving absolutely all of myself which is what a lot of performers do i'm not special in that regard i just um and i think i just have to be careful not to i don't know to give yourself like that for so long and 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 you know to to, to whatever level of bearing your soul in in these songs did that change your relationship with, you know, the music and the words that you had written, having to produce them so many times night after night like that? Well, no, because I was creating new memories, you know. It, I wasn't necessarily living the same story every night or, or thinking about why I'd written those songs. I was focused on creating new memories for, for other people and for myself and wanting wanting people to... Um, walk away feeling like they'd seen something interesting. That was that was enough to keep keep it going, you know. I didn't always they weren't perfect every time, but that was kind of I had to make it less about my personal experience, you know. So for these songs then, for for the the songs on designer, I mean as I read if it's right, I mean a lot of these were written while you're out on the the tour. And if that's right, do you look mm. at it as a road record? Because, I mean, there's a lot of cities kind of named, or, or at least places named, I guess. Yeah, it's 
it's interesting because it's not that wasn't intentional and there are a lot of words that I you know the place I mean in my, as far as I'm concerned Dubai words like Dubai and Amazon and things like that are just as much at a songwriter's songwriter's disposal as the word love or yeah. you know it's I um it's not a not an on the road record I travel wasn't really in my mind I mean I, I don't know <laughs> again when I'm doing it I'm I'm so um I'm doing it I'm not thinking about doing it so it's difficult to come come back and um try to make sense of of what's been done you know but I guess they're, they're, these are just, I just thought they were interesting words that created imagery, you know. And I, I've been asked a lot about that Dubai line, and, and I think the fact that I am being asked about that line means it worked. Who's in Dubai? You know, what? Who's in Dubai? It, it worked, it worked. And that's, um, it rhymed with the word why. <laughs> and it, I thought that it would create imagery. I mean, I've never been outside the airport in Dubai um, but I imagine that it's quite a quite a thing. You say the word love, and it does yeah. conjure something. You know, even if you're just saying the word love. But but obviously, when you when you put a place to it, that for a lot of us is just a part mm. of imagination. I don't know. I, I don't know that I'll ever be mm. in Dubai. You know, in that sense. So it, it does kind of place mm-hmm. the song somewhere for me, and so does the Amazon. And I don't know. Is Coincidentally, mm-hmm. that I was just watching a documentary about Percy Fawcett, the explorer who got lost in the Amazon, and I was listening to that song right afterwards. So it definitely paints a picture, you know, in the best way. Yeah, I don't know. And, and what's, what's, what's interesting is I don't know much about the Amazon. I just, it was part of my vo- vocabulary. Well, it worked. Mm-hmm. It worked for me, anyways. It definitely did something that I think you were hoping for, it sounds like. While we're talking about places, I hope you don't mind because you're from New Zealand, and it has been in the news for the most mm-hmm. unfortunate reason right now. Um, with with mm-hmm. what happened down there, and and I didn't know if you'd had you know if you if you'd heard like what's happened with the you know the community down there, and especially if uh, any of you know your artist friends or anything like that's been affected. In in I mean, I imagine everybody's been affected, even up here. But but I guess locally mm-hmm. for you, if there's a connection. Well, I'm I'm from I'm from Christchurch. The thing is, I I feel um, it's a little too. Um, this question's a little too hard, just because I I don't really I don't really have anything to offer other than my my love and shame and condolences, you know, from from the other side. And I feel I haven't spoken about it with many people that I do know, and I would feel odd to go into it in this instance. You know. Yeah, I completely understand that. I And it's not and I and I'm not I'm not trying to make you feel like you've asked the wrong question. It's not that at all. I just I don't really know how to uh it's uh it's not something I can um I, that I want to even try and impress myself or other people with, with an answer for well not an answer but, but any kind of comment really. It's not really I don't I wouldn't and I wouldn't do it like this right. if I was gonna try, you know. I don't know if this will be an easier question then, but it's definitely a different subject, uh, and and that's with that title uh, of the album designer too, because I, I you know it's a playful mm. term in a lot of ways, and and maybe you meant it to be like that because mm. I don't know it could be God, it could be a DNA specialist, and it could be a clothing designer. I, I thought, and, mm-hmm. and and I didn't know if there was a specific spot that yeah. you were coming from on that. The spot is I am coming from, but first you know I, I said. 
been a couple of rooms that I've been in with it, and I think that the first being I'm not I'm not fussy about where people go with with the title. You know, if the first thing that comes into your mind is I am the designer, or if the first thing that comes into your mind is God, or the, I'm keeping it very open. And I think that I, you know, if nothing else, it's certainly a word that we associate with effort and curiosity and a zest for finding concepts and things like that. And that's that's great. I think it's strong, right? So, but when I was writing the song, you know, this other room, I wanted it to be a full stop. Like I wanted it to be an elegant word that I just put at the end to wrap up what had kind of gone on before, you know, because mm-hmm. it was quite an odd song and I knew that, but I was not feeling apologetic about that. And I sort of let it do what it, what, what I, I made it do, you know, some of the stuff you know, I'm saying, I'm like the ugly son, things like that. It was like desire, you know, I just wanted it to be, I needed a interesting, elegant word to sort of like seriously, you know, yeah. seriously. And, and, and also, you know, that, that, you know, it's designer. If I say it's designer, just like you say, it's designer as, you know, that there's no such thing as, um, as that really. And almost like, so deal, deal, deal with that in a loving way though. And that this is what I think. And I, I don't think that you can go wrong when it comes to making something that you, you are enjoying. That sort of falls in line with, I guess, one of the most impressive things that you do, to, to me at least, uh, with, with your arts, is how you can make something so big from something so simple. Like, like take this, uh, the title for one, but, but maybe like the horns on the song Damn. I mean, you've got what sounds like one little thing atop another one little thing, and nothing else is needed. You know, those two little things sort of do everything. Which, mm-hmm. you know, if you hear a lot of painters talk about that, about knowing when to stop. And to me, I feel like that would be the, the, the hardest struggle. Mm-hmm. But I, do, do you struggle with that? I don't think so. I struggle to add things, if anything, because, and that was one of my anxieties about, you know, hearing the sort of, this, these new songs that I was writing. I wasn't trying to write songs like this. It's just sort of what was was happening and and I'd be lying if I said, How am I somebody who's to whatever degree known known for space and and um surprise and things like that? How am I going to express myself in this busy not busy but bus- in a, in, a, in a busier way because what's it's what they're asking for and I asked myself the same question before I'd made party with John, and and the answer is it just sort of it's like having a baby for the first time, and you just learn when it's too hot or it's hungry or it's, it needs sleep. You just it's a very specific intuition, and I I've had practice. I've had more, you know, after I made party, I'd had more practice doing that, and I think you know when it came up, it just I found it more or less straightforward what i what i did before just just with more 
Well, I, I absolutely love it. And, you know, you kind of get that from, of course, the the video to the barrel, too. I mean, it's just these small little things that make this, you know, one massive um, reaction, I guess, at least that, that I get. That's, that, by the mm-hmm. way, just a side note, it's one of my favorite singles that I've heard this year with the barrel. I just cannot get enough of that song. It's well, thank you. Yeah, trans-like in, in, in a lot of yeah, ways. Yeah, I'm not a... I'm not above enjoying you say that. No. <laughs> That's nice because because it, it it is a very selfless, artistically selfless step that I that I made. Not 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 going or you know trying to make that step, but it was just made, and it's nice that that people and I have feeling that I suppose and are enjoying it, you know. And um, I'm getting used to because part of me was always a bit dubious. <laughs> uh, getting... people enjoyed my music because I thought, but I'm just growing up, isn't it? It's just growing up, and yeah, I'm glad you like it. I can say that for the whole album, uh, it really is a, a, a really great work of arts that you pulled off here with Designer. Uh, so thank you for that, uh, Hannah. Thank you so much for the conversation today too. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Uh, it was a pleasure talking to you, and I can't wait to hear what these songs sound like live when they uh, yeah. when they roll around. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm gonna um, yeah, I'm gonna see what I've got. <laughs> That's all I can do. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. It was a pleasure. Uh, take you. care. See you. And a big thanks to Hannah from Aldous Harding. The new record is called Designer. And again, thanks to Alex Leahy and Julia Jacqueline for their calls as well. And thanks to you for making it all the way to the end of the podcast. Before you get out of here, if you haven't already, please do hit the subscribe button wherever you're listening to. Again, you can uh, check us out on YouTube and Spotify or wherever you get your favorite podcasts from, like iTunes and Apple Podcasts. And while you're there, I hope you're so inspired to uh, give a rating or maybe even leave a review. After that, you can head to WFPK.org, where I do a show every Monday through Thursday from noon to 3 Eastern, where you can also find some bonus episodes of this series. Consequenceofsound.net has your music and film news. And you can find me at Twitter at Kyle Meredith and Facebook slash Kyle Meredith. That's for another edition. I'm Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time. Consequence Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.